It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is Rays Radio. He throws. Swing a ground ball to first base. Nate Lowe's got it. Runs to the bag. The remarkable Rays of 2019 are going to the postseason. Welcome to This Week in Rays Baseball, Winter Meetings Edition. Swing and a drive to right field and deep. Back at it is Loreano to the wall. And what a way to start a game. Yandy Diaz goes oppo and he gets the Rays a 1-0 lead right out of the gate. Coming up, we bring you the latest from the hot stove and discuss today's news and notes from the winter meetings. Another Morton payoff is strike three called a fastball at the bottom of the zone the judge disagrees with and more with an enormous strikeout two away. Now here's your host, Neil Solons. And hi everybody, welcome to the Manchester Grand Hyatt. Neil Solons with you on Monday, the first full day of the winter meetings. We are here through Thursday, we'll have shows today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. Today is at 6 o'clock, tomorrow's at 6, and then Wednesday at 7 before F, before the Rule 5 draft Thursday, and then we head our way back. This is really a kind of a key checkpoint in the offseason, but I don't know if I would call it the key checkpoint. Really, the offseason that last week or two before spring training is when you should have the majority of your eyes dotted and your T's crossed. Right now for the Rays, um, I would think that they are focused on conversations. They're having conversations with free agents to fill holes offensively. They're having conversations uh, with teams about potential trades that will help the group in various ways, be it offense on the defensive side or from a run prevention standpoint with pitching. Although I would think that most of the conversations are going to be swayed at this point in time toward offense and that's in large part to the news that came out before the winter meetings that's the race had made a trade with san diego moving tommy fam one of their better hitters and position players in a deal where they got hunter renfro back in the immediate future uh and then in long term they got what they felt was a centerpiece going forward in xavier edwards and we'll kind of see how that plays out over the long haul but after winning 96 games a year ago the rays have generally kept their pitching intact um and they have yet to add offense in fact they've lost a couple of pieces um whether it's for the long haul we don't know if javi garcia will sign back as a free agent uh they have lost travis darno they have traded tommy Pham. so now the question is what pieces do they add now i don't know if i'll have the answers to those questions during the course of today's program hopefully by the end of wednesday we'll have a better idea uh right now as we speak Eric Neander, the Rays' senior VP and GM, is having his first media session um, with the local media. Uh, Obviously, we're on the air, so if there is any breaking news out of that, which I don't expect, we certainly will pass it along. On our show today, we'll have conversations with a couple of people. One of them, Mark Topkin at the Tampa Bay Times. He certainly has been, he's been covering the Rays since the beginning. He's been to more winter meetings than any reporter who covers the Tampa Bay Rays. And he'll give us a feel for what he thinks are the key pieces. Certainly on a national level, there was big news today. In fact, that was at the beginning of the Steven Strasburg news conference where it was announced he had signed for seven years and $245 million. Uh, and if you think that's an impressive contract, 
wait till Garrett Cole gets his deal because it's going to be even larger and more impressive than that. We'll hear from Mark on, on kind of the day's news and look at it from a Rays perspective. We're also going to chat with Kevin Eibach. Kevin is the head of pro scouting for the Rays, and we're going to chat about the impact that not only pro scouting has in general, but also the kind of impact that it had on the deal that was created um, with uh, with the Padres and how it impacted the, the trade involving one Tommy Pham um, and what they thought of Xavier Edwards and what they thought of Hunter Renfro. So that will be on the program ahead. Uh, and then during the course of the week, you're going to hear from Eric Neander and you'll hear from Kevin Cash. We've got one-on-ones with Kevin for tomorrow's show and then Eric for the program on Wednesday. But coming up, we are going to hear from one Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. I want to remind you that you don't want to miss Kevin Kiermaier, Austin Meadows, and the rest of the Rays. That is, they look to build off that 2019 postseason run that included 96 wins and uh, Game 5 of the ALDS. You can reserve your 2020 season tickets today and secure the best locations, concessions, and merchandise discounts and access to exclusive events all season long. Visit racebaseball.com slash season tickets today. Coming up on the program, again, we're going to hear from one Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. We'll chat a little bit about the Steven Strasburg signing and perhaps what's to come for the Rays during the course of this week and as we move further in the offseason. You are listening to our This Week in Rays Baseball, the Winter Meetings Edition from the the Manchester Grand Hyatt in San Diego, California, and we'll continue in just a moment on 95.3 WDAE and AM620. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Neil Solon's with you. This is the Winter Meetings edition of This Week in Rays Baseball, again from San Diego, the site of the Winter Meetings at the Manchester Grand Hyatt. Reminding you that new for the 2020 season, suites at Tropicana Field are all-inclusive. Enjoy catering in a private space for 16 to 48 people as you take in a Rays game. Suites certainly are the perfect way to entertain clients, family, or friends. Go to RaysBaseball.com slash suites and learn more. Well, no news, I don't know if I would call it good news or bad news right now for the Rays. There hasn't been any announcements from a Rays perspective at this point. Uh, Kevin Cash will be addressing the media in an hour. Uh, Eric Neander is chatting with the local media as we speak before Mark Topkin went up to uh, Eric Neander's suite. I had a chance to chat with Mark a little bit and uh, first asked him what his biggest takeaway from uh, this first full day of the winter meetings has been. Takes about four to five minutes to walk the length of the lobby. The sandwiches were pretty good at the place at the left side. Uh, the bar at the right side had a better breakfast deal than I got. Outside of that, not much. I mean, usually the first day is, is uh, exploratory and conversational. Now, obviously, there's some other teams, which I know this is called a segue in the radio business or a, a teaser we'll get to in a moment. But the Rays, I don't think any of us expected there to be much going on initially. They have a lot of things they're exploring, as usual. I mean, last year, you know, it was kind of unexpected, Wednesday of the winter meetings. Getting a little heads up that, oh, by the way, they signed Charlie Morton. That kind of came out of the blue. But uh, I'd be surprised if there's anything in the first day or two of this. But on the other hand, by Tuesday night, Wednesday, that's usually when things come together. And as you know better than I, Neil, there's a few things the Rays are looking to do still. Yes, and that's offense, uh, first and foremost, because of the Tommy Pham trade, which we thought Tommy would be introduced here. He still hasn't. Yeah, I don't know exactly what the deal is. I, I think someone said he was still taking a physical, and that was not here in the San Diego area. So maybe we got some bad info on that. Um, it kind of would have made sense. I mean, the Padres, a hometown team, made a big trade, but there's a lot bigger things going on right now. For all we know, the Padres could be involved in some other stuff. And they probably would have liked to have Steven Strasburg come to San Diego, but he is going to Washington, and that is returning to Washington. That's the big deal so far, at least as we speak. 
It is, and he got, uh, I guess what we probably know is Dave Will's money. I mean, $245 million over seven years. Um, no opt-outs, I think we saw that too. So really a record-setting deal that will probably last for another day or two till Garrett Cole signs because they're supposedly uh, same agent. Very unusual format here. Scott Boris doing business early in the offseason. Something's changed between this past few, past few offseasons and this year, uh, whether it was response to the union criticism or the market is just so... Uh, fervid or whatever it is, but a lot of things are happening early in the offseason. What have you heard about that? Because Wheeler signs the big deal, Moustakis, and uh, even Pomerantz got a four-year deal when he hadn't really been a reliever, and now obviously the biggest deal so far, Strasburg likely to be eclipsed by Garrett Cole. I mean, look, if the union was correct that there was some type of collusion going on to suppress the market for the last couple of years, then I think they probably should still be complaining there's collusion going on that the market has become accelerated, but I don't think they're going to complain because the contracts have been so rich. So maybe it took a little stinging criticism, maybe teams are viewing things differently, but there's no doubt something changed because the gridlock of the past few years has gone away, and, and it's kind of exciting, and, and whether you know the obvious answer would be, oh, it makes sense for baseball to do business during the winter meetings when they're getting free publicity in newspapers and on websites and on radio shows and podcasts throughout the country during the middle of football season. They've got a free week of publicity. Take advantage of it. But, you know, I also don't think teams would do that unless they were motivated to make the deals that they're making. And maybe some of it is the players, too. I mean, Strasburg, Cole are two very, very elite pitchers. We haven't really had a guy like that since David Price was on the market. Fair? Yeah, and, and, you know, some of the best of the best, and the prices are obviously very high, but I think teams also realize it's not going to get cheaper, and if they see the guy they want, they should act. But I, like I said, I do think the dynamic has changed, and for the better. I mean, I don't think anybody enjoys this carrying into January and February. That used to be where the, the bargain hunting was done, the kind of, you know, under-the-radar type moves, the guy that fell through the cracks, whichever cliche uh, you want to use. Not that you ever use cliches, Neil, but... You know, it, it is a little different this year because of, of how things are happening so fast. The price is high. The cliche meter is very low right now. But Garrett Cole, let's look at this from a race perspective. It, would it be good if the Yankees have to overextend and the price keeps going up and he signs with New York? Or is it and they have a large contract that they haven't had to deal with lately? Or is it good if they lose out and he ends up, let's say, with the Angels or the Dodgers out on the West Coast where he's from? Well, I think to fully answer your question, I would have to know what they do in response to him losing out. Do they then go and trade for another really good pitcher or go find a way to get someone else? If not, then I think you could say it would be good for the Rays in the long term if the Yankees sign a pitcher to a eight or nine year $300 million deal because the odds of him staying healthy and that working out and there not being a whole bunch of dead money at the back end are pretty slim. On the other hand, we don't know what the economic system is going to look like under the new collective bargaining agreement. Maybe there'll be different clauses that kind of ameliorate whether there's truly dead money or anymore or not, whether there'll be a luxury tax, whatever. We just don't know what the rules are going to be. But in the short term, it, you can't really think it would be good for the Rays to have to face Garrett Cole five or six times a year as they typically do the other team's aces. Let's look at it, too, from a free agent perspective this year. If teams are spending $30, $40 million on the top end of the market, does that open up opportunities for the Rays on the back end to get the kind of guys that might fit on one- or two-year deals because teams might be maxed out? We hear the Cubs are trying to move money. The Red Sox are trying to move money. The Yankees signed a player to a $40 million deal. Does that kind of 
lead them to maybe not have as much margin for other guys? It's you know I just feel so deeply for the Cubs and Red Sox if they have to cut payroll. It's you know you really can be sympathetic to see the the, the challenges of being in a big market like that that they have to face. But sure, I mean you can move that around and, and kind of make a case in a couple different ways. But if the Ra- you know the Rays typically prosper from finding guys that are undervalued or overlooked in the market, so they can still do that. Now on the other hand, if the tr- price is so high for free agent starters. And I'm not suggesting the Rays would trade one of their guys, but you know, obviously that flips around. I mean, you know, we know Eric Neander has said that they didn't feel it was in the right spirit to trade Charlie Morton. Uh, you would think they wouldn't want to trade Blake Snell. He just signed a deal, and his value wouldn't be at its peak coming off a little bit of a down 2019. But yeah, you know, who knows? And and you know, Tyler Glass now, Yanni Chirinos, Ryan Yarbrough. If someone's going to pay 40 million dollars a year for Garrett Cole, and they can get one of those guys for prospect inventory. Maybe they would. Or the bat that they want, too. I mean, because that's something we, we – are there any other names? You wrote about Steven Souza Jr. that you think would be good fits to add for this group, and why? Well, I think, you know, you look, there's a handful of outfield-type bats uh, or DH-type bats that are going to be on the market that are on the market right now. I mean, and you and I have talked about a few of them. Yasiel Puig is a guy who's out there. Uh, C.J. Crone, a former Ray. Obviously, Steven Souza Jr. would like to come back. We know that. Um, I probably could run through some more names, but I, I think for the Rays, it's going to be a matter of cost, availability, and then from the flip side, playing time. I mean, they're not going to really hand anybody 600 to bats necessarily, especially at one position. So I think they have to try to figure out what the right match is. And, you know, they can't afford as typically. They don't have the money to kind of pave over their mistakes. If they sign a guy and it doesn't work out, you know, go back to the Pat Burrell. They extended themselves that one year. And this first year wasn't good, and the second year was abysmal, and they let him go in May. So they usually have to be pretty careful how they do that. And they certainly have been pretty smart generally. Kevin Cash will speak in about an hour to the assembled media, the locals and the nationals. Uh, anything you're looking forward to hearing from him? I think he'll be really encouraged by uh, and excited by the number of media that are out here. There's some people he doesn't get to see all that much back at home. But, no, I, I think with Kevin Cash, one thing is we didn't hear from him on the impact of the Tommy Pham Hunter Renfro trade. It, was his birthday the day of the trade. I mean, so whatever else uh, Emily got him or his beautiful kids got him, uh, Eric Neander got him Hunter Renfro for his birthday. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I think his reaction on that, I'm a little curious, too, what his initial thoughts are on the pitching plans for next year. I mean, you could make a case, as radical as this sounds, they could open the season with five legitimate frontline starters in the rotation and just let them start the games and, and do away with the opener and do away with that kind of stuff. I don't know if they will or not, but... I think Ryan Yarbrough and Yanni Chirinos, you can make a case that they deserve that opportunity. How's that for openers on our first day here, the first full day of the winter meetings, Mark? I mean, I have to do this again tomorrow? Uh, Maybe you do, Mark. We'll see if uh, we want to stretch you out. It is early in the offseason, relatively speaking. Again, we're talking about December 9th, and we know we've got to get stretched out a little longer. Uh, Coming up on the program, in fact, we're going to get stretched out on pro scouting. It'd give you kind of an inside look at what went into the pro scouting involving uh, the trade the Rays made with the Padres, which Mark has been reporting on, and he mentioned in that interview a little bit. We're going to get into a little more of uh, uh, some potential I don't know if I'd even call them issues. We'll find out if there's anything more to that. I want to make sure that you know that if you're looking for the perfect gift for the race fan in your life, you want to purchase a race gift card this holiday season. Gift cards can be redeemed for tickets, merchandise, or food purchases, offering the ultimate convenience. Go to racebaseball.com to purchase yours today. Again, coming up on our 
Winter Meetings edition of This Week in Race Baseball on this Monday evening back on the East Coast. We'll hear from Director of Pro Scouting Kevin Eibach. We'll continue right after this on 95.3 WDAE and AM 620. Hey, the 2020 season is around the corner and an outing at the ballpark is the perfect, fun, and exciting group adventure. Join the Rays as they come off a fiery and fun season. Book a group party area now. Secure your game day today at RaysBaseball.com slash groups. Neil Solon's with you in San Diego at the Manchester Grand Hyatt for our This Week in Rays Baseball Winter Meetings edition. Uh, the Rays have announced a trade before the meetings occurred. That was the deal where Tommy Pham, Jake Cronenworth went to San Diego, Hunter Renfro, Xavier Edwards, and a player by name coming to the Rays. And I had a chance to sit down with Kevin Eibach. He's the head of pro scouting and asked him what role pro scouting had in this deal and uh, what they thought of the players that were acquired. Sure, Neil. I, I think that with our scouting efforts, it starts on the amateur side with Rob Metzler and his crew. Um, you know, building that history with someone like Xavier Edwards back when he was in high school and really getting familiar with the player. Um, and then obviously following him along through his pro career. So we kind of build that timeline. We build that history with the player and see how that player evolves. Uh, anytime you're talking about a young man who's, you know, in his teenage years, he's going to both develop physically, mentally, and we try to document that through throughout different junctures of his career to see where he's at. So when we see what the culmination of that was at the end of the 2019 season with someone like Xavier, um, it's really the work that we put in as a scouting group starting when he was in high school, on the showcase circuit, and then obviously on to his pro career. So the industry sees him as a 75 to 100 top prospect. You have seen him grow. Do you guys see him better than that? And if so, why? Yeah, I think that we like X, a lot of the qualities that um, we find very endearing with him um, with the ability, you know, first to get on base. Uh, it's a big thing that we preach throughout our organization and his ability to make a lot of contact um, reminds us a little bit of, you know, someone like a Vidal Brujan that we've been able to develop on the international side uh, to get to where he's been at in his career so far. And it's a guy that I think that, you know, kind of in, in Vidal's case, flew under the radar for some time. Um, Xavier came in, you know, very high pedigree coming out of high school. Um, everybody knew who he was. But a lot of those guys come out into pro baseball and, you know, there's an adjustment period. Um, to X's credit, he came right in, you know, guns a-blazing and was able to, you know, jump out there, do a lot of things initially, um, you know, in his first um, dip into pro baseball and was, was able to really not necessarily have to prove himself but just sustain what we saw as him as an amateur. The thing that stands out to me is the contact ability because it's so hard to find. You've got Wander Franco in the system. You've got him. You've got several others now who have the ability to make contact at a rate that's unusual for pro baseball. Sure. You know, I think that seeing players, especially players that play in the middle of the diamond, you know, the center fielders, the shortstops, the second baseman, seeing those players um, – that can provide that spark on offense to be able to get on base to make things happen and then also provide a lot of defensive value. Um, you know, that's something I, I know throughout the industry that we, you know, we're known for is to really focus on players that play premium defensive positions and can impact the game both with their legs on the offensive side and their defensive side. And I think X fits that category. Um, you know, very athletic guy um, and able to get on base, able to do some things once he is on base. Um, you know, he's not a station-to-station -station runner like some prospects you'll see around baseball, um, but very fun to scout, very fun to watch from a fan's perspective, um, and someone that we think that's going to develop in our system very nicely. 
Hunter Renfro is obviously already a big leaguer, and you touched on guys who have good defensive ability. That seems to be one of his greatest strengths along with the power. Sure. Hunter's a guy that, um, you know, obviously the, uh, the the power sells. You walk in the ballpark and you, uh, especially if you get there for batting practice and watch him take batting practice, it's very impressive. Um, you know, you'll see him on the backfields of Port Charlotte and he'll hit the ball as far as anyone out there. Um, what goes you know, probably unnoticed to some fans is the defensive attributes that he has and the ability to impact the game on both sides of the baseball. Um, you know, so Hunter is a guy that we've been able to see evolve throughout the minor leagues. And again, I, I think all the publicity that he got coming up um, was a very renowned prospect coming up through the system, but it was all based and centered around that power, not to take anything away from the power game, but the ability that he has to change the game defensively is something that was very attractive for us. And when you're looking at a player like that who went through injury, how do you guys note that and how does that factor into discussions you're having with the guys in the front office like Eric, James, et cetera? Sure. When we try to develop, uh, you know, a report on the player, um, obviously there's the physical attributes, uh, the five tools that everybody talks about. And, you know, especially in this day and age where there's a lot more data coming along, um, you know, on that side of it, we can overanalyze sometimes how much production we can get from a guy offensively, defensively. Then we have to kind of paint the rest of the picture in there. We always want to know what the human being's like when we acquire someone. Um, we do a lot of work. Our scouts are always on the phone working, working their networks to find what kind of player is this guy? What kind of person is he in the clubhouse? Is he going to fit with our culture here? Um, medically, is he a guy that is going to be able to post every day and go out there? Um, whether it's a position player or a pitcher, you know, certainly with the ability to pitch back-to-back -back games for a reliever. Um, these are all questions that we have to answer as a scouting group in addition to can this guy play now with the the trade of tommy fam and we've talked about the players acquired and the fact that as we speak avi garcia is still out there as a free agent travis derno signed with atlanta there's certainly some holes in the offensive side there are a lot of free agents available how big an impact is pro scouting in terms of the conversations you guys have with the front office in recommending certain types of players be they for big league deals or minor league deals on the depth side Sure. I think we've talked about this before, Neil, is that, you know, a lot of times the headlines are caught by the, you know, the big trades, whether it's a Tommy Pham trade, whether it's a, you know, Chris Archer trade a year ago. Um, but where I think that we can really put our stamp on, on everything is the players that happen deeper in deals, whether it's a player to be named later, whether it's a second or third piece in a deal. And I think that's really where, you know, scouting can prove its worth, um, you know, we need to know these players better than anybody. Um, again, on the field, off the field, and we want to try to acquire these players at a point in time before their value is going to rise. I liken it a lot of times to the, the stock market. If you knew a stock was going to triple in price in a year, you'd want to acquire that stock right now. Um, that's no different than a prospect. We want to try to be ahead of the industry in identifying traits, tools, ingredients that may not manifest themselves into another year, um, but be ahead of the curve in that. Okay, but were you guys ahead of the industry on Avi Garcia last year and maybe value, found some things that you valued more in Charlie Morton that showed his value and how much of a role does pro scouting handle on the free agent side is I guess what I'm looking at, the big league side. Sure, on the free agent side, I, I think that's, it's twofold. We have to identify the talent and then we have to determine how much we want to pay for that talent on the free agent market. Um, the good thing is it is truly an open market. You know, 
theoretically, we should be able to compete with anyone on a given player. Um, on the trade market, you're often, it takes two to tango. You have to have another team that's willing to trade an asset for you to acquire that. So I think the, from a scouting standpoint, the nice thing heading into an off season every year is that you know you could potentially compete for international free agents, domestic free agents. Guys, it's, an, it's a completely even playing field. We pass all that along, information along to the executives here who then try to put a value on that player and say, okay, we like, scouting has identified the ingredients that we like. What are we willing to pay for those ingredients? Do you stay out of the discussions or once the reports are in, they're in? I think my job as, as the director of pro scouting is to kind of be the liaison between all the decisions we make in the front office and all of our scouts that are around the country. You know, I, it's my job, I always say, to be the voice for those, for those guys. You know, they spend a lot of times in hotel rooms, a lot of times pounding the pavement, driving, flying, um, away from their families. Um, you know, I, I've come up through this industry doing that, uh, so I certainly appreciate all the work that goes in behind the scenes for those guys. And it's my job now to be the voice and make sure that their thoughts on any given player are, are properly discussed when we're talking about making decisions at the front office level. Really good stuff from Kevin Eibach, the head of pro scouting for the Rays, kind of an inside look for you. And uh, if you missed that interview or our first one with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, this show is going to be uh, available to you on podcast on either Apple Podcasts or at uh, RaysBaseball.com slash podcast. So look out for that. Um, one note on the, the whole Tommy Pham trade, Mark Topkin of the Times had uh, uh, quoted the San Diego Union-Tribune, which reported there's language in the agreement between the Padres and Rays that protects the Padres should Tommy Pham's elbow injury not be cleared uh, of a physical. There are some questions, but generally those are eventually working worked out we'll keep you posting you can follow me on twitter at neil solons if there are any other concerns by the way on the program tomorrow you'll hear from another kevin kevin cash manager of the rays and a whole lot more with eric neander scheduled for wednesday tomorrow same bad time same bad channel and we certainly hope that you will join us i want to thank the people who made today's show possible uh back at our network studios that being tom ponzo I want to thank uh, steve carney and chris miller for their help and uh, also our guests mark topkin and kevin eibach Mark, of course, of the Tampa Bay Times. Kevin Eibach, head of pro scouting. Neil Solon saying thanks for being with us on This Week in Rays Baseball on 95.3 WDA and AM 620. Thank you for joining us for This Week in Rays Baseball, Winter Meetings Edition. Swing and a drive to right field. Back at a judge to the wall. Rays win! Rays win! Rays win! G. Montoy wants it off here on the 12th. Rays beat the Yankees 2-1. Pitchers and catchers will report and opening day will be here before you know it. For ticket information, visit RaysBaseball.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 